Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Bobby Sills, Communications Executive at the CII. In this episode of the podcast, I'll be talking to James Baum, Harriet Tiplady and Khalil Sarufim. In this episode of the podcast, we're talking about how the insurance profession is evolving and innovating. We are joined by James Baum, Head of Commercial Risks UK at Aon, and Harriet Tiplady and Khalil Sarufim, members of the CII's London Market New Generation Group 2020 to 2021. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And here's our conversation with James, Harriet and Khalil. Hello all, and thank you very much for joining us on CII Radio this morning. Yeah, thanks for for asking me along. Thanks for having me here. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Bobby. Um, So James, kicking off quite broadly, we hear the term innovation in insurance being thrown around quite often, and the London market is often thought of as being quite traditional at times in its processes. Looking at the pandemic and the events of the past year, what further innovation do you feel is needed within the insurance profession? Yeah, look, I, I think the pandemic, you know, highlighted, you know, a lot of, I guess, those things in terms of, you know, how traditional the market may have been. And, and just like, you know, we found new ways to, to work from home. I think the industry itself suddenly did become more informed about some of its, you know, failings and I think gaps in terms of, you know, ultimately how it serves its customers and I, th- I think that probably manifested itself in in a few ways i think you know as insurance professionals you, you know the, the the coverage and the the piece that i think everybody's talking a lot about in terms of you know the widening protection gap and sort of unmet need but i think also you know just basic important stuff in terms of how customers actually can consume their products you know more easily and you know more simply to put it that way so i think if you think about you know just the online nature or quite often i think particularly for for small business and and large business the lack of online nature that the insurance industry you know really provides to its customers that is still something that i i would say that you know we're probably still talking way too much about as opposed to you know really providing those developments you know, for for those customers, so I think that I think we're we're making ground. I think there's good conversation going on simplification and digital distribution of you know business led insurance products. But I think the reality is that they're, they're they're probably still too hard to consume and and really you know to push out from that basis. And I think that's because at the end of the day, I think the insurance industry actually as close as it can be sometimes, uh, you know, it's just not as connected as it needs to be, particularly from a data perspective and the way that we share that information and the way, you know, we allow ultimately, you know, for products to find themselves into a, into a digital platform. So I think that is a, a big innovation gap that's sitting out there. And then I, I, I think, you know, look, the other one that is an industry and it really, you know, goes to the, um, this idea of sort of the protection gap that's sitting out there, i.e. the insurance that people really need to actually protect the risk that they're facing. But I think, you know, climate change 
and the related issues through extreme weather events and sort of availability of flood insurance, et cetera. You know, these are all still big issues that I think we're, we're, we're struggling with. I think the final one, and I apologise, the final one I, I'd point to is, is cyber risk. So, you know, that is the pandemic has clearly brought to life the, the risk of, uh, you know, cyber attack and ransomware, et cetera. And again, I think as an industry, you, you, you know, we've definitely innovated, you know, a lot within that space. But I think in terms of making those products more readily available and affordable for, you know, small, small businesses, large businesses, or even, you know, personal consumable products, I think there's, there's a lot more work to be done in that space as well. Yeah, I mean, that's three really interesting points there. I guess um, just following on from sort of your first one, you know, the news of the business interruption claims last year sort of, you know, really highlighted the need for innovation, particularly during the pandemic and, and after as well. Yeah, I, I think it definitely did that. I, I think it also highlighted um, the need for simplicity as well, right? I think, unfortunately, you know, we found ourselves in a situation all around the world, in fact, not not just in the UK, where, you know, the words that had been used to describe, you know, important things like, am I insured because I can't, you know, run my run my business because of a pandemic. You know, I think we unfortunately found ourselves in a in an awful situation again where people were scrambling to understand what words meant. And, you know, and, and obviously in the UK and again all around the world, you know, we're relying on courts to to interpret um, you know, really important issues that that I think consumers, you know, probably should have a higher expectation that that as an industry we're clearer on that point. Yeah. Thanks, James. And Khalil, as part of the CII's new generation group, you recently produced a report titled Innovating in a Pandemic, which looked at some of the different perceptions of innovation. Can you tell us a bit about the barriers to innovation that you uncovered? Yeah, sure. So just for some context, we conducted a survey and some deep dive interviews to collect our data set. And that was across the London market was our focus. Um, And what we found in our data was the top three barriers to innovation were um, a reluctance to change, cost, and cultural issues. And those three combined accounted for over half of the barriers that we uncovered. Um, So what we did off the back of that in our further interview analysis, uh, we got some more insights and common themes that emerged. So those three that we chose to focus on were a lack of collaboration across the market uh, with suggestions that there were like a number of market-wide groups, um, Lloyd's Lab, LMA, that focused on innovation without there being a clear group assigned to tie the efforts together. So a bit in line with James, what he said earlier, you know, how we stitch together and work and collaborate as an industry or just stitch what we're doing together is probably an area we should look to address. Second, there is a reluctance within London market companies to invest in innovation. What we found with our interviewees is, you know, without a clear return on investment at the end of of year one, sort of getting funding and and management weren't as happy to put funding towards it. And it's a bit of gray. It's not really clear what the end is going to be in some cases with innovation. So they didn't go ahead. And um, finally, there's a lack of willingness to test and fail within companies um, that's impacting the progression of innovation. And I guess across our industry as a whole, uh, we're hoping the pandemic's changed some of that attitude and behavior, but, you know, learning to test and fail forward and and to pick up um, ideas without being scared, I guess, and hesitation. So those were the three barriers to innovation sort of that we uncovered and dove into a bit deeper. 
Yeah, great. And I guess, you know, one of the key points running through this is in really increasing that awareness around innovation and, you know, getting people to share positive, innovative outcomes that they've seen, which leads me on to the next question. Looking at the research gathered in the report, did you find innovation within the profession accelerated during the COVID-19 pandemic? And if so, how how did it accelerate? Yeah, so we did find that innovation within insurance accelerated during the pandemic, uh, especially within the market, which was our scope. Um, and 80% of our respondents confirmed this, that the COVID-19 pandemic did accelerate innovation. I guess what was fascinating, and again, similar to what James mentioned, is you know scrambling to find definitions and confirm that. So we found there were different definitions of innovation. So we defined innovation and, and the Oxford Dictionary defines it as the introduction of new things, ideas, or ways of doing something. And what our survey and interviews found is that the London market had a wider understanding of innovation. And what I mean by wider is uh, they perceived it as improvements, creativity, and problem solving. So it's not as Oxford Dictionary gives it, you know, it's not new things or ideas, it's just improvements or, or creativity. And what we found with our interview respondents, what they found to be the most surprising areas were where innovation occurred, it was around virtual working, increased electronic trading, a syndicate in a box, and the product to ensure COVID-19 vaccines. And I guess if you look at the first two, virtual working and increased electronic trading, they're not entirely new things. Actually, they've been around for a long time. Uh, what the pandemic's forced us to do is to adopt those at an accelerated rate, probably a rate we would never have achieved without it. So that was what we found out accelerated during the COVID-19 pandemic. Excellent. And um, James, what successful innovation products did you see during the pandemic and what lessons can be learned from these? Yeah, well, 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 well I think, you know, just picking up really from where Khalil left off, I mean, I think it's, it's a really important point, I think, for the industry to lean into. And that is kind of the, the lack of investment in innovation or in actual fact, I would say the you know the need to see quick returns in and around those products is stifling you know that innovation. And I think actually you know this is a it's a big issue for industry. It's a bit of a credibility issue. It's sort of you know what do we stand for and who are we here to serve? Um, obviously, we're here to serve business and and make it easier for business to grow. I, you know I think that's the simplest way I think about our industry. So I think that. <clears throat> lack of investment is a big issue and something we need, you know, to take on. You know, that said, again, I think picking up Glill's point, I think that it, it definitely, the pandemic kind of helped focus, I think, the mind on things that were already out there and and actually things we could augment in the industry. And I, and I think that's probably what we saw more of. I think we saw more augmented innovation than real, you know, straight straight out innovation, if I could, you know, I could put it that way. So I think, you know, we've touched on, you know, um, digital technology and, and certainly digital trading, which again, yes, it has been out there for quite some time, but we now have the need uh, to push that out there. So I think that was definitely happening. But I, but I think the, um, you, you know, there's a few things out there, though. If you think about some of the building technology ecosystems, I think that, Certainly, we're starting to see products sort of emerge where there's just greater flexibility around 
you know, underwriting and more transparent pricing um, that's really, I, I guess, driven from more usage-based insurance products. So, you know, we're starting to see that, you know, that uh, really allow businesses and customers to pay for what they need and use as opposed to what the industry might have uh, in the past estimated they, they would have used. So I guess it's, it's real use insurance uh, and probably, you know, far more fairly priced from that perspective, albeit, you know, I, I think we'd acknowledge that that's really at the, the low end of the innovation and is more at a consumer level than a business level. You know, I, I'd say, you know, we've seen things in health insurance though, you know, people like, uh, you know, Vitality using fitness and other lifestyle data points to, you know, reward customers for living well. Um, you know, we're now at a point where can do that at scale uh, in other areas like commercial motor, where you've got huge premium spend. And so the use of telematics in vehicles, I think that is starting to come through from an innovation perspective. But yeah, I, I think though, overwhelmingly, I would say that more of the innovation has been, you know, more an, an, an augmenting of stuff that was was out there. So I, I still think we've got a fair way to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess, you know, what we're seeing from all of this is that the pandemic was really, you know, a key driver in bringing innovation to the forefront, but, you know, also highlighting areas for improvement. Do you think more needs to be done in terms of the communication of good innovation across the profession and within the London market? Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll pick that up, Khalil. So that was one of our sort of key findings from the report. And we really think that sort of as a project team, this is almost like a quick win for the industry. So we found that there was sort of a, a lack of awareness of probably positivity, looking at innovation um, and how it's shared across the market. So one of our key findings was really that both at a market and a company level, there's a need to increase the awareness of, of what's going on um, regarding innovation. So at a market level, uh, we've got bodies like the CII and, and other market-wide bodies, but they can really have a, a sort of a visible overarching support for innovation and really be those to kind of promote change and collaboration and then in turn, that can attract sort of new diverse talent to the market and allow our customers to also see what we're doing in this space. So, yeah, really, they're, they're kind of in a prime position to provide different tools and then also to be able to communicate what they're doing and really look at different platforms as well. I think what we've learned in the pandemic is that you know, the use of social media and, and some of these different platforms can really add a, like a positive change. And quite often, if you see, you know, insurance in the media, it's it's negative press, whereas we, we really do do some good stuff and we should be getting out there and shouting about it. And then similarly, at, at kind of a more of a company level, there's a lot more that internal communications can also do just to kind of raise that awareness of, of what's happening in individual organizations and kind of create a bit of a buzz around innovation and, and all the good things that we are doing. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, um, Harriet. And, and obviously, you know, we talk a lot about raising trust in the profession. The CII's purpose as an organisation is to build public trust within the insurance and financial planning professions. What can we do to ensure that insurers successfully innovate in order to build this trust further? Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably park trust for a bit and then I'll, I'll come back onto that. So the findings of the report, kind of focused on three areas to ensure that successful innovation across the industry. So we've just kind of talked about that promotion of innovation news and successes, and that is definitely going to be critical to kind of ensuring more successful innovation. That's almost like a, the snowball effect. The more you kind of hear and, 
and see things out there, the more that kind of goes on and, and all of a sudden will we'll become a, you know, thought of as an innovative industry. I think probably the, the first area to look at it is agreeing that that single definition of innovation. So both James and, and Khalil have touched on, that's just not something that's available at the minute. And whether we do that at an organization level or then look at it at a, a market level, the report definitely sort of suggests that as a minimum, each organization should have a clearly defined and agreed definition of innovation that's then known throughout the business and we can sort of ensure we're all pulling in the same direction. Um, and secondly, then to improve that innovation culture. So many of the barriers to innovation identified in the report can only be broken by change led by the organization. So companies should identify their own barriers to innovation and then take relevant steps to address these issues. And then innovation will have a greater chance of success. So Although the pandemic was a huge catalyst for innovation in the market, there's definitely still an, a need to improve and at least maintain the same focus that we we had on it during the pandemic. Excellent. And just sort of building on that public trust point, James, I don't know if, if you maybe want to take this one. Do you see innovation as a vital component within you know raising public trust in insurance and also financial planning? I think absolutely. I, I, I think that um, if you really, you know, climb into this trust issue, and, and and this is a global issue, it's not a UK issue for the industry. I, I would say that generally it stems from the, the mistrust. Really comes from a lack of understanding of the product, and and I, you know, and, I, and quite frankly misplaced bad press in different circumstances. So I think that uh, when the industry is faced with, you know, large natural disasters, be that in the UK or anywhere else in the world, it actually responds fantastically well, you know, amazingly well. And you, you look at sort of claim statistics in and around this piece and claims generally just don't get denied. They get paid. And yet, you know, we, we never seem to be in control of the narrative in terms of what's going on in that moment. And, and the press tends to take hold, you know, of the of that narrative. And it, it somehow becomes negative when actually it's an incredibly positive story. And I kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, I kind of feel like the industry, um, which I know goes back to really perhaps the other question that you asked, I, I think as an industry, we can do way more to be on the front foot in terms of promoting the amazing things that actually happen in the worst of times, you know, for businesses and communities and the incredible role that the insurance industry actually plays in those moments and, and sort of, you know, take control of that narrative. But I come back to the point, I guess, where I started. And that was, I think a lot of that mistrust ultimately comes from, you know, ignorance of our industry and of our products. And that actually falls at our, our own feet a lot of the time because we don't make, you know, the insurance products that, that we're either distributing or in, in whatever form that takes. We just don't make them easy to consume nor understand. And, you know, I, I kind of feel incredibly when we're, when we're placed in the worst possible position, you know, particularly in natural disasters, the industry does things like, it pays claims quicker. It, it removes, you know, a lot of the requirements around assessment because, you know, it, it knows that there's been a big event and therefore, you know, it can deal with it. And yet, as soon as the big event is over, we go back to the old way of managing claims and, and um, you know, assessing things. That You know, that said, I think there's some fantastic technology out there in terms of speeding those processes up, particularly around claims assessment. And I think actually, you know, as I think about my own response, I think claims assessment is actually, and, and speed of claims payment 
is really where the whole trust factor sits. So, you know, I think anything that we can do to, from a technology or innovation perspective in terms of, you know, speeding the claims process up and speeding the transfer ultimately of money back into the policyholders' hands can only, you know, actually improve the trust that you know, those that consume insurance will have in our industry. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I think I agree with you. Claims does have a crucial role to play in ensuring customers, you know, they have that trust and, and also that, you know, they keep returning. So, yeah, some really great points there. Thank you, James, Harriet and Khalil for joining us today. There's lots of really good food for thought on the role that insurers can play in increasing innovation um, and also promoting areas where we're currently doing well that maybe haven't been highlighted so much. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts, or you can follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening to CII Radio.